Do you feel like motherhood is mundane? A lot of mornings you wake up feeling like you lack joy or purpose. Do you also want to invite God into your mom life, your marriage, and your life in general, but you just don't know how? Do you feel tired, like you have no time, and you're always putting yourself last? Hi, I am Jill Warball a Christian mom life coach, and I'll be showing you each episode how to make time for you, your relationship with Jesus, and others. I'll teach you how to grow with God and apply his word to your everyday life. And most importantly, I'll be cheering you on each week, reminding you that you do have purpose and that you are worthy of a great future. You can find satisfaction in motherhood. I'm going to show you that you can live intentionally with less stress, more joy, all while serving God and others. So grab your Bible and get ready to be transformed. This is the Faithful Mama Podcast, a place where we learn to fill up on Jesus so that we can pour into others. Listen in. are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. So why don't you tell our listeners how many weeks pregnant you are right now? (laughs) Exactly 36 weeks as we're recording. So as I get talking, I, (laughs) I get really passionate about this subject and I could just talk about it on and on forever. So I might, you might be able to tell that I can't breathe <laughs> well these days. <laughs> no, I'm literally sitting here, you know, just sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. And it's baby number three, you said, right? Yep. We have two boys and this is a girl. So That's- it'll be definitely <laughs> different. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, why don't you tell everyone what this topic is. You just said how passionate you are about it. Why don't you let them know what you do and what we're kind of going to kind of talk about today? Yeah. So I am a pediatric occupational therapist. If you have no idea what that is, a lot of people that think it's like helping people with their jobs or finding jobs. And it's really just about, um, and for me specifically, I work with kids. So our main goal is just figuring out what do kids need to do every day depending on their age and how can we help them be more independent, um, effective? Do we need to adjust the environment? Those sorts of things. And um, when my oldest was, well, since he had to go back to daycare after maternity leave, I've always had it on my heart that I just really wanted to be home with him. And I just didn't have the opportunity. I love being an OT. I love working with families. I've done it in you know, the hospital setting and NICU and home care, like all over the place. And I absolutely love it. But I just really felt this pull to be home. Um, And when I was pregnant with my second, so my oldest was three, I still was like, I need to find a way to be home with them. And the best that I could think of was to open a daycare in our house. And I felt like, you know, I, (laughs) I work with kids all the time. This would This would be like, uh, you know, I could still use my OT skills, whether helping the kids with something or in creating activities and modifying things for different ages. And um, when I did that, my oldest quickly became 
he he's always been a more sensitive child or just had more intense emotions and I didn't really quite know a lot about it then but what I what really struck me is he became very aggressive um to everyone like his his younger brother but also the other daycare kids and he's never been like he had never hit he's never done that at other daycares he never did it at home to us and he it was just very much a struggle and I was trying to use you know all these strategies that I had learned as an OT that I was teaching families you know creating these calming spaces and putting calming strategies in the different spaces and I'd move them around based on you know like do you want to be closer to where we all are do you want to have more space and just nothing was working and I was just getting to the place where I would just hope that things would be different and wait for my husband to get home and as soon as he would get home I would like retreat to the bathroom and take a hot bath because we all know that's like the only place as a mom where you can be truly alone you know yeah and that's um, even if they let you yeah (laughs) so I just realized like not only did I not want to live this way for me but I knew that he was struggling and I wanted to figure out like how to help him because I didn't want him to be struggling so much every day, especially when we're home together, you know? And so I had been listening to another podcast, you know, when when I was doing my home care and driving a lot. And I learned a lot about connection focused parenting. We actually um, got a coach who, which is what I do now. I'm still an OT, but I also have added on the parent coaching part of it because it completely transformed our lives. It helped me to, while I learned about behavior in school and I dealt with it every day in the clinic, I, there's just some things that are not common knowledge that aren't taught, but are like true developmental things that are occurring that we don't know about behavior that are so helpful in actually helping our kids. And so I really just have this strong desire, God-given desire to um, not only help parents like figure out what to do about the behaviors, but also to help parents understand their kids better and to see behavior for like as communication and not like, and, and dig deeper. Like what is actually the issue here? It's not that your kid is hitting. There's a deeper root here. There's fear buried in there that we need to work through. And, um, so that's what I really focus on now. I'm, I'm home with my kids and I kind of do some OT stuff here and there, but I mainly focus on helping coach parents through all the things, behavior, their own triggers, and just really helping to decrease those difficult behaviors, but also like what can, what feeling prepared with them. Like we know that toddlers are going to have strong feelings and strong emotions. And the goal isn't to take that away. The goal is to help figure out how can we actually support our kids when these things come up? Because we don't want kids that don't have any emotions, right? Emotions aren't bad. It's just this, the cycle that happens is they do something that we don't like. We don't necessarily know how to respond, or we have these automatic reactions that we are patterned by. And then they get worked up more and we get worked up more and it just becomes this whole negative cycle. And so really just trying to help parents kind of eliminate some of that. Yeah. I like what you said there. You said to see behavior 
as communication. And a lot of times we don't see behavior as communication. We just see it as they don't know how to act. (laughs) And, and like that, just, you just saying that just now, I was like, whoa, like light bulb moment. I mean, because, you know, like I was telling you before we started the conversation, like seeing it that way with a three-year-old and like a five-year-old, like it really makes you think, oh my goodness, they're trying to communicate something to me. They're not just behaving poorly because they just want to make me upset. Yeah, totally. And I think, but in the moment you think that in the moment you think you're just trying to defy me because it's Mm -hmm. for some, you know, because like you just want me upset. (laughs) And we are conditioned to think that way, right? Like society culture will tell us like our kids are trying to be disobedient or defy us or like they are trying to get these reactions. And so I think that plays a big part, but also, you know, how we grew up and how our parents responded to us when we had behavior is often our response. And we'll get into this when we talk more about co-regulation, but if you really think about the behaviors that upset you and then take some time to think about your childhood, whether it's your parents or maybe it was a daycare provider or a school teacher or somebody that, you know, you were around that had authority over you and how they responded when you reacted this way is generally how you will respond when it happens to you from your, you know, when your child is doing it. Interesting. So let's, I just, let's get started on like, um, just, uh, we all have these triggers that trigger us, mm-hmm. our children. And I think a lot of parents, the very first thing they want to know is how do we, let's just first get into how do we leave kind of space for ourselves instead of just reacting and then we'll get into how to help our kids. Yeah. So one of the things, the most important thing is that, you know, first off, we're aware of what triggers us because if you're not aware, how can you change it? Right? Like, and um, about 90% of our thoughts of our actions of what we say is subconscious and automatic. And so this is why we get into those patterns of you might respond in a way and then later you're like, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. I'm not going to do that again. And then the thing happens again tomorrow and you respond the exact same way, even though you don't want to. And it's because you have been patterned and conditioned, you know, for however long of your childhood. And it's just a part of you and you're not really recognizing it and it's just coming out. And so the first thing is really taking some time to figure out what is actually triggering you. And if you want, I did create, um, it's just, I mean, it's four main questions. There's a couple like within each paragraph or within each question just to kind of get people thinking, but it's really a worksheet on how to identify if you don't already know. Um, so I, I'm happy to share that with you if you want to pass that on to your listeners, but Um, yeah, really being aware of what your triggers are. And then really the main way that we can move past them is one of the principles in the connection focused parenting styles that I do is called, um, uh, (laughs) sorry, I lost my words here. What's it called? 
oh, sorry, listening partnerships. <laughs> I'm like thinking of stay listening, but that's for kids. Um, so listening partnerships. And while we might not have this opportunity, um, something that I would really recommend. So listening partnerships is essentially when you have the opportunity each week to call someone and talk over the phone, ideally that you don't know, and you just share whatever comes up for you. Um, because, you know, God created our brain to, in this amazing way, like it can resolve past hurts, um, traumas. And when I say trauma, I don't necessarily mean like, it doesn't have to be something that somebody from the outside would look at and be like, yes, that was traumatic. They might look at it and be like, eh, I don't know, is that trauma? But it's more, more about our perception and how it impacts us. And so our brains actually have the capability to work through that, but so often we don't give it the time or the space to do so, right? Like you have a feeling that comes up and you push it down. Like I can't either, I can't deal with it right now because I have kids here or I don't want to have these feelings. Like these feelings are bothering me and we continue to push it down. And what we really need to do is to allow those feelings to come out. So listening partnerships is the most effective way to do that. Um, the reason I say ideally it's somebody you don't know is because then you can feel like fully safe in saying things like you can talk to your friend, but do you really want to be saying something that maybe your child did or your husband did that really bothered you? And then they kind of come back and they have this different view of, you know, your child or your husband when really it's just, it's not so much about your husband or your child. It's about how you're feeling inside. Right. And so, um, there is like a group that you can find a listening partnership, but if you don't want to do that or you don't have that capability, you can also really like journaling. Um, obviously prayer is a good one, but really getting your thoughts out as they come up. So another, another way you could do it too is if you've ever heard of the app um, Voxer, it's like a walkie talkie app and you can actually <laughs> create a conversation with yourself. And so I mean, it's always better when somebody can be supportively listening to you, but sometimes we just don't have the opportunity or you might be having a really terrible day and you just like need something right in this moment and just either writing it out or talking it out, like what is actually coming up for you. And, you know, I've had um, somebody that I chat with regularly and she will often say, you know, she journals, but she almost does it in code because she's worried if somebody picks it up and reads it, you know, and I'm like, well, that's not, you're not actually processing through all of your feelings. You have to be honest about them. Maybe it's like a prayer walk where you go walk and you talk, you know, versus writing it down. Um, but really allowing your brain to go through what you are actually feeling in that moment and just get it out because then your brain can resolve it. Otherwise, you know, we're just hanging on to that. So that's, that's like the biggest way. Um, and then if you want, I can also share just a couple of things that I like to share with parents that can kind of help in those moments. Like there might be times where like, okay, journaling sounds great, but I don't either. I don't like to do that. Or like I'm with my kids all day and I don't have the option right now to go journal. So like, what could I do right in this moment? Um, so one of the things is to just like know your limits, you know, just like knowing your triggers. If you need to take a break, take your, take a break. Like that's good showing your child that, you know, when I'm feeling this upset, I need, I need to remove myself. 
But when you're triggered, um, what I really like to do is try to think about the situation from my child's perspective, because I don't think we do that enough. (laughs) You know, like I think it helps in all instances. For example, this isn't um, like we were baking one day. I have a six and a three-year-old and I, they just love to mix up whatever ingredients and make their own thing. And that he had spilled, my three-year-old had spilled like some cocoa powder or something on the counter. And I was, I don't know if I was helping my six-year-old or like (laughs) cleaning up another mess. And I looked back and he's rubbing the cocoa powder, like pushing it onto the floor. So we either have the opportunity there to say, like, get upset. Like, why are you brushing this on the floor? You're making a huge mess. Now you got to clean it up. Like, you know, kind of coming at it from more of a consequence, angry, punishing way, or stepping into our child's shoes and saying, okay, my three-year-old wants to clean his space. He doesn't maybe quite understand how best to do that. And his first thought is, if I want this out of the way, I just brush it off the floor, onto the floor, because now it's on the floor. It's not my way anymore. Right. When I just like took a step back and thought about that process, it allowed me to see. And then I asked him like, did you just want that out of your space? And he was like, yes. (laughs) And so then I could take the opportunity to say, you know, I understand you don't like it there next time. Let's you know, tell me and I'll get you a washcloth or something. And then we proceeded to clean it up off the floor. But I think so often we just jump into our kids must be doing this to get on our nerves versus thinking about it, you know, from their perspective. And it can be so helpful, especially if you're trying to figure out what should I do in this moment? You know, things like ignoring the behavior or sending them away to their room, thinking about yourself. If you were having a really hard day, if you lashed out, what would the response you would want from your husband or a close friend to be? Like, would you want them to be like, just go away from me? I need, you know, I need space. Like you need to go calm down and come back when, when you can actually behave, or would you want them to actually be with you, even though you don't feel like maybe you deserve that or something. And so I think always taking a, taking a second to try to think about what is my child going through in this moment? And um, how can I help them? Because if you are feeling so triggered and overwhelmed, think about how your child must also be feeling. Yeah. They don't know how to communicate it, generally speaking. You know, like as an adult, we like there have been times where I have been very triggered and I was saying things and in my mind, I'm thinking I shouldn't be saying this, you know, but like, as an adult, I still cannot stop myself all the time. Right. You know, and just kind of like that. I don't know if you'd call it a meme or a a picture that floats around now and then that says that we hold our kids to a higher standard than ourselves. And, you know, the second they have a crabby day or come back with attitude, we're immediately on them, which it doesn't mean that we shouldn't help them. But I think just taking a step back and recognizing there's more going on here. Yeah. Really helpful when you start, when you put it that way about thinking about it in their perspective, it's like, Oh, that makes me feel so guilty. Well, and I think there's good times for conviction. It's, you know, it's not meant to feel shameful, but definitely, I mean, you know, it's, and I think one thing that I just always want to tell parents is, it's not, we have not been taught these things, right? Like one of the, one of the ways that I 
really help during behaviors like whining and complaining is turning to play. And it's, it's not not taking the behavior seriously. It's not letting the kid off the hook, but it is communicating to them in a way that they can actually learn and communicate. And it can be really hard for parents because that's not how we were treated, right? Like when we had a crabby day, we were like probably shamed for it. Like, oh, you just got off, you know, woke up on the wrong side of the bed and lots of things. So um, I always like to say, until you know these things, you know, you don't know what you don't know and you are pre-programmed to respond in a certain way. And so often we don't know that. And I didn't know that until, you know, I got this kind of coaching and then I was like, I need, I need to be able to help other people with this and went through a training and really learned a lot of the underlying things that are going on here. That it's, that was just so very helpful just for my own personal life. So I know it's going to help other moms with this, but, um, so, so the next thing is, is, is like our kids. So you were talking to me a little bit about like co-regulation and self-regulation, and we want to help our children get from co-regulation, which is where we're kind of helping them regulate to self-regulation. So can you explain yeah. like how you kind of co-regulate and then how that translates into self-regulation eventually? Yeah. So Um, like I was saying before, you know, we started is as an OT, we are really taught self-regulation and how to teach it to people. And when I got this training, I realized that while these, you know, this stuff is helpful and has its place, there are two really big factors that are excluded that I think need to come first. And so when we talk about co-regulation, you know, there are mirror neurons in the brain that are activated, which allows our child to actually mirror our responses. And so when we were just talking about managing your own triggers, that is a very important piece because your child, unfortunately, sometimes is going to do what you do when you're upset versus, you know, if you, if you're trying to teach your child to take deep breaths, but when you get upset, you explode and yell and, you know, slam doors or something, your child isn't going to suddenly be like, okay, I'm really upset. I'm going to take deep breaths. They're going to be really upset and they're going to start yelling or slamming doors. So um, that is one of the biggest factors is really trying to figure out how you can stay. You don't, it's not that you can't feel upset and bothered, but really gauging your responses and trying to come from more calm because when you do that, you know, then that's what your child is learning your child is gaining some of that calm from you versus you're escalating, then they're escalating. And that's why we get into those, those big, big moments. Um, And the other part of it is really focused on connection. And I think, especially if, you know, as we're transitioning into the school year or, you know, maybe work amp up, amps up and your kids are in daycare or whatever the case is, even if you're home with your kids all day, Um, it doesn't mean that you are connecting with them, right? Like if you're home with your husband all day, you could be seeing each other and maybe doing some things together, but it doesn't mean you have this strong connection because you're probably thinking about other things. You each have your own things to do. Um, Maybe you're getting interrupted by a phone call or something. And so really focusing on how can we get our child to be back connected to us because lots of things will create disconnection. 
whether that is because they're away from home, you know, they're at school or daycare, or maybe they really wanted your attention and you're like, well, I have to make supper. And so even if you're playing with them, you're kind of, you know, multitasking a little bit and maybe they're not getting quite the attention that they want, or maybe a sibling took a toy. There's all these reasons why kids can feel disconnected from us. And when our kids feel disconnected, the prefrontal cortex, which helps with, you know, judgment and reasoning and problem solving and impulse control is like literally offline. Like you could think of it as literally disconnected from the brain. And so when they're disconnected, this is where you see more behavior. This is where, you know, you see more of the defiance. And so when we can come back to connection and repair and restore that connection, you will see an amazing, almost immediate transformation in behavior, like in a decrease of it, because now their thinking brain can turn on. Now they can problem solve better, even if they're two or three, you know, there's lots of things that two and three-year-olds can do that maybe we wouldn't expect, but it's probably, they're not maybe doing it when, because they're disconnected. And so there's, there's several different ways that you can connect, but I think the, the two biggest ones, I'll go through them quickly and then talk a little bit more about self-regulation, but, um, is special time. So this is different than one-on-one time because one-on-one time, means you are with your child, but you might get a phone call. Maybe you have to go to the bathroom. Maybe you need to change the laundry. Like there can be distraction happening, but you're still spending time together. Special time is named um, special time because we want your child to recognize this time. I am fully engaged. You don't have any distractions, no phone. You are essentially in a space with your child only fully engaging with them. And it's a designated amount of time because, you know, as adults, it's hard for us to stay focused, honestly, for really long periods of time. And our kids don't necessarily need super long periods of time. Um, But this is also designated as, you know, a special time, or if you want to name it something different, because your child is in control and you have to do whatever they say during this time. So if there's anything that's like off limits, that's something that I tell parents, to make sure that they communicate that beforehand. Because if you get into this special time and you explain and say, I'm going to do whatever you want. I have to listen to you and we can play anything you want. And then they say something you're like, oh yeah, we can't do that. Then they're like, okay, well you just lied because I'm actually not in control. (laughs) And This is really giving our kids opportunity to have control when they generally don't have much. Uh, And it just really builds this great space of connection and trust and safety. And this is a really good option, especially if you feel like you're triggered pretty easily um, because you're just playing and having fun, you know, and spending time with your child. Um, And then the other one is called stay listening. And this one I think is so, so very much needed, but can be really challenging. And it's essentially just allowing our kids to have feelings, allowing them to have the behaviors that they are expressing the emotions, the big feelings, and sitting with them through it. Just like, again, going back to how would you want it? Like if you if you suddenly got so overwhelmed and you started crying or having all these big feelings, you know, would you want your husband to be like, oh, you know, I can't handle this. I need to go, you know, just call me when you're done. Or would you like it if he could sit with you and, 
you know, just, just let you cry. And how much better do you feel after a good cry, even if nothing changed? Yeah. Feel this weight lifted. And so that's what I really want to encourage parents to do with their kids because I'll have, you know, I'll have parents say like, I'm totally fine with the crying, but really when you look at it, there's lots of distracting away trying to, you know, like, oh, well, you can have it later. Or do you want this instead? You know, just in a way we are telling our kids we can't handle these feelings, but when we can just sit there and listen and let them have feelings, it's allowing their brain to process through all of these hurts, disconnection, big feelings, and they will come out the other side so much happier with much less behavior. And it just shifts your whole your whole day or your evening around. So that's really important. And as you work on these things, your child is actually learning how to self-regulate. So I think sometimes we can feel like we have to teach it, but we are teaching it through modeling first and foremost, right? Whatever we're modeling is what our kids are learning. Um, so that like the third piece of what I help parents through if needed, is really just exposing kids to different sensory experiences. If they have a certain preference, like we're all sensory beings, so we all have, you know, maybe you really like swinging, maybe you really like chewing gum. There's all these different preferences that we might have, and how can we incorporate that as needed so that our child is exposed to these different experiences, so when they start to feel like they need to regulate, they can go to them, their brain will remember, oh yeah, that helped me. Yeah. Um, so just to quickly make that a little clear, I always like to talk about an example of like when you're driving in the car late at night and it's dark and you're tired and you're kind of falling asleep, your body, your brain recognizes, obviously I can't fall asleep right now. That would be dangerous. So I need to do something to alert my system. Now you're not sitting there thinking I'm falling asleep. I need to do like the sensory activity to wake my body up. You know, you might be like, whoa, I'm falling asleep here, but your brain is going through this process of recognizing you're not at optimal regulation and it will naturally seek out things to bring you to that optimal functioning. So you might roll down the window or turn on the AC or air, depending on the time of year and where you live. That's, you know, that's a tactile experience. That's touch on your skin, that breeze. You might turn up the radio or call and talk to somebody. That's an auditory experience. So our brains are naturally seeking out these responses. Now, what I have found a lot is that when we don't have connection and when we don't know how to manage our triggers, our child cannot go through this process naturally as easily. Um, But when we have those two in place, like even my three-year-old can regulate himself with strategies that he has recognized now not every time (laughs) i'm not going to say that because he's still very little um but he will ask like before bed can you rub my back or we do this thing called a taco wrap and kids will begin to ask for what they need or seek out what they need but when we don't have those other things in place the brain isn't able to make those connections and kind of work through that process that's supposed to be, you know, that kind of natural thing that we do without thinking about. That's so interesting. So it sounds like connection is really such a big part of our kids' behavior. 
It surely is. That's so crazy. And do you want to hear something? My my child, my youngest, my three-year-old, she was born on March 14th, 2020. Literally, the hospital shut down the day after she was born. And we couldn't have any visitors because of COVID. And so when we got home, like, she, like, the first, I would say, like, month was good. And then after that, everyone was home. I was very into my phone, very into like the politics and all of that stuff that was going on and just like drawn in by what was happening in 2020. And then she started just crying constantly and we could not figure out what was wrong with her. And I'm telling you, it went on for like six months mm-hmm. and it wasn't like they, I thought I, I thought I had to stop breastfeeding. So I did. Cause they thought it could have been like dairy or gluten. I eliminated those from the diet and then, um, I tried like, uh, like a allergy sensitive formula and like, then they did like different tests where they tested her stool and they're like, no, it's not colic. It's not this, it's not that. Like she doesn't have any sensitivities. They never figured out what it was. And like, she's still my one who has these like behavior things happen. And as you're sitting here talking, I'm like, I wonder if she was triggered because even though I was like, the only time she was happy was literally if I was wearing her in a baby, mm-hmm. in a baby Bjorn thing. And it just like brought all of that up as you're talking, like this literally was going on since she was like two months old. Yeah. And yeah. I was constantly on my phone. Yeah. I mean, connection is huge. It's especially, you know, as babies or little kids, it's vital. Like kids, obviously they're not going to be able to say, oh, I need connection for safety, but they really need our connection for safety. We're their safe people. And another thing that I would think about, or, you know, like to share with other moms, especially if they have little babies, you know, there's lots of talk about colic and I'm not saying there's that colic isn't real or anything, but I think that it's easy to jump to something like that without considering that babies have feelings and babies have things to process. I mean, there's research that shows even in the womb, like if you are really anxious, you know, for example, like if you've had a miscarriage or if you're just going through a really stressful time when you're pregnant, that transfers to your baby. And, you know, it's not like, shameful, like you, you know, you mess something up. But what I'm trying to get at here is that babies have to process feelings just like we do. They are just very miniature versions of us. And I think it's easy for us to forget that kids and babies are mini humans and they have, while they're, you know, cognitive and all that stuff is not as far as we are, they still go through these processes. And, you know, thinking back even to my first, I just remember, you know, trying to do all this stuff to get him to to calm down and bouncing on the ball and all of these things and really taking time to under, like once I learned this stuff as well, thinking about how traumatic, um, like his birth was. And, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't look like trauma from the outside, but you know, he was three and a half weeks early. I had Pitocin, like just all this intervention. And then he was taken from me to go to the NICU and I was very traumatized by it. And so like looking back, I'm sure he was processing a lot of feelings, you know, a lot of that stress, just, it just, we don't understand that, you know, we don't recognize that. And then yes, again, that connection, I think 
you know, especially for babies, a lot of, a lot of times now, you know, people will say, stop babying your baby, you know, which is like a ridiculous thing to say, or, you know, stop rocking your kid to sleep because then they won't be able to do it on themselves. And the truth is when we really come with connection and focus on connection and provide lots of connection, our kids will actually probably end up being more independent than the other way around. And I've really found that to be true with my oldest. Yeah, that's so interesting. What an awesome conversation. Like it brought up uh, thinking through all of my kids, (laughs) you know, like, oh, now I see these things. Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay. So tell us, I'll link the free resource. Um, You also have a podcast. What's your podcast called? I'll link that as well, but why don't you let them know what your podcast is called? Yeah, it's called Chaos to Connected. Okay. It's just really goes through, you know, yeah, different connection strategies, how to implement them for different situations and a lot of like perspective shifting from what just kind of comes naturally for us to kind of a new way of thinking about, yeah, different behaviors, um, responses from our kids, all of that stuff. And then what is your Instagram handle? Um, It's just my name, Kaylee.Zire. Okay. And she spells her name (laughs) K-A-I-L-I. Yes. My Um, mom would say that's the correct way. (laughs) And you also do coaching. So I'll put your website. Is that on, that's on your website? Um, It's, it's um, actually, well, it's linked in the podcast, but it's also my Instagram. Your Instagram. Okay. So Instagram, I find all of it really. So I'll probably link up your Instagram and then they can find everything on there. Yeah. And then, like I always ask everyone before the episode ends, what if they don't, if they forget everything we talked about today, what is the one thing that you do not want these moms to forget in motherhood? Well, the one thing that I don't want them to forget, which I, I don't know if I necessarily covered, but I think is so important is that there's always room for repair. <laughs> I think that sometimes when you start to learn about you know, being more connected or more conscious in your responses, you can feel really a lot of shame about how you have been responding or like feeling bad for certain things that you do. And, you know, we're not going to be perfect. I certainly am not. I have been practicing these things daily for years and I still, you know, I'm human. I lose my control and my temper too. And I think, just remembering that we are human. We're never going to do this perfectly, no matter how many things we know. Um, But we can repair the connection. It's not like we're breaking our child. It's learning about, you know, using these connection strategies to then repair whatever maybe damage or hurt feelings that kind of came up, just like you would if you, you know, have an argument with your spouse and, you were really hurt. Like there is repair there as long as people are working on that and you can do the same with your kids. So just not feeling like you're feeling or messing up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it's going to happen. You know, we're, we're never going to be perfect on this side of heaven. So um, just remembering as long as your heart is in the right place, trying to connect, you can repair it. You're not, and no matter what we do, we're probably going to send our child off with something that they have to work through at some point. But I think that um, there's beauty in that. There's lots of learning um, that we can do too. So 
yeah, there's always room for, for repair. No need to stay stuck in feeling shame about maybe what you've been doing or if you have a reaction that you don't like, apologize and work through it and get reconnected. That's awesome. I love that. Well, I am so appreciative for this conversation and I'm so excited for the listeners to hear this conversation because it is so important in our motherhood journey that we do all these things, that we do connect with our kids and that we are aware of our own triggers and Mm -hmm. just like how to work through that and help our kids work through it. I mean, literally, I think that's why God has a lot of us on this motherhood journey is because he's sanctifying us, right? Exactly. Like he's making him. And when we work through it and look more like him, it helps our kids work through things and look more like him. So I just appreciate, I just appreciate it today so much. Yeah. I, I know that people will say a lot, you know, like marriage is for holiness, not happiness. And I just think the same thing about motherhood, you know, yeah, feel like you've got a stage figured out. They enter a new one and you get sanctified all over again. Yeah. And, and, and you enjoy both. I mean, there is, there's both, especially when there is more holiness. So if you pursue holiness, like joy just comes from that. So I love this conversation. I'm so grateful you came on Kaylee. Thank you so much. And then would you just close us in prayer? Yes. Uh, Dear God, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for the conversation and the sparks that have happened from it. And I just pray that this information would reach the hearts of moms that need to hear it and help them to feel encouraged and empowered to continue to be sanctified and to feel convicted in areas that they need to feel convicted and not ignore, not ignore those spots and really take, take steps into connecting more with their child. I pray that you would guide them into how that can be best for each child as they're all different and that we could really see our kids through your eyes. And I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Kaylee. Yes. Thank you. Looking to give your child a well-rounded education while ensuring positive socialization opportunities and their ability to succeed in life? Consider joining Classical Conversations community and homeschooling alongside local families. Led by a trained licensed director, families learn through Classical Conversations' proven Christ-centered curriculum together in a community. With locations in all 50 states and over 50 countries, there is bound to be a community near you. To find your community today, visit classicalconversations.com forward slash faithful. Thank you so much for listening to the Faithful Mama podcast, a place where we fill up on Jesus so we can pour into others. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to head over to the ratings and review section. And if this is something that you know will touch another mama's heart, please share it with her. And as always, stay faithful.